Thank you for listening to Connection Church's podcast. This week, Brandon Williams shares week two of the series, GATA, which stands for To Get After Them Aggressively. In this message, Brandon shares the various obstacles that stand in our way of our walk with Christ and in sharing our faith. He explains that talking about Jesus to other people can oftentimes be uncomfortable. However, being uncomfortable never killed anyone. What's up, church? I hope everybody is doing good today. I believe this is going to be an awesome morning. Um, if you think it is a little weird that I'm wearing a tie today. Yeah, yeah. You, you are not nearly as uncomfortable as I am. I promise. I promise you're not nearly as uncomfortable. Actually, for the last couple of weeks, Jackson, my five-year-old, has been asking me, if I would wear a tie. He wanted to wear a tie, and I guess he wanted somebody else to do it with him. So he's like, Daddy, will you please wear a tie? I want to wear a tie. Will you please wear a tie? And, you know, he looks at you with these big brown eyes, and, and he's like, Daddy, will you? Will you please wear a tie? And I'm like, Jackson, and, and I keep thinking he's five. He'll forget. I'm like, Jackson, if you'll remind me to wear a tie, then, yes, I, I'll be glad to um, wear a tie. He goes, Daddy, just make a note. I was like, all right. So, so, so here I am. I'm wearing the tie, and, 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 and because my five-year-old, he's like, Daddy, I really want you to wear a tie. I want, I want you to do this with me. And so I'm like, you know what? Man, doggone it. I can put a tie on one week um, to bless my five-year-old, right? I can do that one time. And so usually my kids know if I wear a tie, they see Daddy with a tie on. Either somebody's getting married or somebody's died. And so, you know, we had to explain to them this morning, like, listen, we're not, we're no, nothing's wrong and nobody's getting married. So here we are. But it made me start thinking about the scripture in the gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 11, verses 9 through 13. And it's where Jesus tells us, listen, if you ask, you'll receive. He says, if you seek, you'll find. And if you knock the door, it'll be open to you. And he goes, everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who, um, who, who seeks, finds. And, and everyone who knocks, to him, the door is open. And listen, he goes on to say this, and this is absolutely incredible to me. He said, which one of you fathers, if you have a son and he asks you, for a fish would give him a snake, or if he asked you for an egg, would give him a scorpion. He says, if you then being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit when you ask him? And I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about this in terms with with Jackson. And listen, Jackson did in two weeks what hundreds of years of tradition could not do. Make me wear a tie to church. Like everybody else in the church have on suit and ties. I'm like, not wearing one. But when my child asked, I put one on. I did that. And this is the thing I want you to hear in that today is that when, when, our, when we come to God, who is our father, and we ask, it, God hears. And when we come and we earnestly seek him, the Bible says he gives us the greatest thing he could ever give us, and that is himself. That's an awesome God, isn't it? That, that, that we don't deserve it, and yet he comes to us and he says, you asked, you sought, and you knocked, and here I am. And, and it even talks about in the book of Revelation to those who, who will answer the door, who will open the door, who allow him in, that he comes and he sits and he dines with us. That means he has fellowship with us. And that's the God that today we're coming to, and we're asking that God to be with us. And guess what? He is faithful. There were two or more gather. He is there. And so today as we open his word, as we've been worshiping, my prayer is that even during worship, that that your heart was already beginning to be open to the word of God and the things that he would speak to you today and the ways he would challenge you. My prayer is that today the Holy Spirit would rain down in this place so much that we walk out of here and we're never the same again, that we walk out of here and will allow no obstacle to stand in the way of us and proclaiming the good news 
of Jesus Christ. That Gato would not be a series we do, but that it would be a lifestyle that we live, that we live every day getting after them aggressively. That's what God's called us to. Are y'all excited? I'm ready. I'm excited. Are you excited? Come on, this is going to be awesome. We're going to have a good... I'm praying right now that God speaks to your heart. Listen, I don't believe we're here by accident. This is a divine appointment that God placed us here because God desires to use us to bring him glory. And I believe he's going to do that. Y'all pray with me. God, thank you so much for for life. And thank you for Jesus. And thank you for your heart for us, God. Thank you that, that we're your children. And God, I know my own children, God, so many times they don't deserve good gifts. They don't deserve um, things that we do for them, God. In fact, so many times they don't deserve it. But God, because I love them, I, I, I want to bless them. And God, I know that right now none of us are worthy of being in your presence, but because of Jesus and your amazing grace, Lord, you Allow us to come to you, that through Christ we have access into your presence, into your throne room. And God, today we come to bow down and say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We come to recognize who you are. And God, asking you to have your way here in this place today. God, do what only you can do. Change hearts, change lives. Just just do an incredible work here. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Had an awesome experience this week, and I want to share this with you real quick because I, I hope that it will be an incredible encouragement to you as you go forward and, and, and as you step out and you begin to get after people aggressively with the gospel of Jesus and the love of Christ. This week I went to eat with um, our worship pastor for lunch at, at McAllister's. And uh, we're sitting there, we're, we're in line, and some, a guy walks up to me, and, and, and it's kind of a, a weird experience because I'm, I'm great at recognizing faces. I'm terrible at remembering names. And every now and then somebody will walk up and go, hey, I don't know if you remember me. No, I don't. I, yeah, I, I just, I, I don't. And, but, but I was like, man, you look so familiar. And, and he introduced himself and he's like, man, we, we've been coming to church for, we love it, man. It, it, we just, we're getting so much out of it. We just love the, just the atmosphere, the, how, how friendly people are. And we just really see God moving there and we absolutely love it. And he said, but we travel a lot. And so there's a lot of times we're gone and I really want to get the podcast so we can keep, keep up with the messages when we we're out of town. And, and he said, but my computer is not downloading the messages. And, and so I was like, well, maybe you need to try this. And Sean, who's way more techno- technologically savvy than I am, is like, well, do this and do this. And both of us are standing there like, we got no idea what you just said. And so we're going on through that. And, and so finally, we're like, well, why don't we just come by your office? And we'll see if we can get this fixed. And so we go over and, and Sean works on his computer. And this is after we, we ate and everything. And, and, and Sean's working on his computer. And, and, and finally, he kind of gets it fixed where it'll download the messages. And so Sean's like, hey, I got to get back to work. So I'm going to go. And so I'm there with him by myself. And, and, and I'm like, well, I guess, um, I guess I need to be going too. And I said, man, I'm so glad that you are enjoying the church, man. That is awesome. That is really encouraging to me to know that God is doing something in your life. And I'm like, I, and, and, uh, so you, you have an awesome day. And I literally am about to walk out of the office and he looks at me and goes, I want to be saved. Amen. Woo. I was like, I don't know if you've ever had anything catch you so off guard. But I'm like, I, I, and my thought was, I'm here to try to watch Sean fix an iPod, right? And he just looks dead at me. And he's like, I want to be saved. And I'm like, wait a minute, you mean you want to be baptized or you want to be saved? Like, like placing your trust in Jesus and trusting him for your salvation. He's like, I was baptized when I was a kid. I want to be saved. 
I'm like, well, we can do that. Now, let's, let's sit down. And I sit down and, and I start talking to him. And, and I'm mean, laying this out. I'm like, man, listen, all we need to do, we, you just recognize your sinner. He's like, yeah, I got that. I'm like, all right, you just need to recognize that Jesus is perfect. I got that. You just need to put your faith in him and trust him for your salvation because you can never earn it. He's like, yeah, man, that's where I'm at. I want everybody to know that I'm a good person because I love Jesus, not that I'm just a good person. And so we sit there and listen, if you think you can't lead somebody to Christ, you are wrong. Because here's the deal. I prayed the most jacked up sinner's prayer I've ever heard in my life with him. I don't know what happened, but it was like my brain went into another county. And I was like, Lord. And then I'd say stuff and it was either too long for him to follow it or so short that he didn't know if he was supposed to say it or not. And, and so he's like, uh, 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 and I got to the end and I was like, man, as long as you believe this, this, and this, hey, let's, let's, let's pursue, you know, and, and now Christ is in you and you're going to live for him for the rest of your life. And so it was just, it was an incredible opportunity while I'm sitting there, my phone rings and there, my brother-in-law has been pouring into this guy's life. He's been inviting him to church. He's been talking to him and, and different things for, for a while now. And they actually started coming to church because he invited them. And, and my phone starts to ring. And I don't know how I knew other than I just knew that it was my brother-in-law. And I was like, I, I just know that's who's calling. And so I didn't answer it. I didn't pull out my phone or anything. I, I just said goodbye, man. I'm so excited. I'm so pumped. This has made my you know, month. And so I go and I walk out. As soon as I get out, I put up, um, pull out my phone. And sure enough, I had a missed call from my brother-in-law. And I was like, I don't know how I knew that other than this was such a God story. This was something that God had done. It was such one of those God moments, like us Christians like to say, that nobody else has any clue what we're talking about. It was a God moment. And, and I just knew. And so I was able to call him and be like, you're never going to guess this. But man, I just I was, had the opportunity to pray for somebody to, to, to place their trust and their faith in Christ. And man, it was so amazing. And you know what I did? I did nothing to deserve it. I certainly didn't expect it. I just walked right into it. I didn't have to go in and like explain theology. I didn't have to go in. It was just God drawing this guy to himself. It was God pulling this guy. And somebody, somebody actually told me, they were like, oh, I guess that's Gata, man. You, 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 you know, you did it. It was Gata. I was like, man, they got after me. I mean, I, I was just like content. Hey, we fixed the iPod. Praise God. I'm about to walk out and he ambushed me. I was like, wow. You know, and, and here's the thing. Don't you wish every day was like that? Wouldn't that be awesome? Like you're standing in line at McDonald's or something. Hey, I want to be saved. Okay. I mean, no obstacles, nothing in the way. It's just, just, just as easy as it can be. Don't you wish it always happened like that? I mean, because honestly, like if, even if I had been too shy or too embarrassed to have, to have sat down and talked to him, even if I it was like, I have no idea what I'm doing, I was put on the spot. There was no way I was getting out of there without that. I, I really think this guy was so passionate about this and wanting this so badly, he would have tackled me if I had started out the door. And so there was, nothing, there was no decision in it. There was no obstacle there that I had to overcome. And how awesome would it be if every day of our life and everything that we do, it was that easy. There was never an obstacle to overcome. There was never anything. And, and, and I think sometimes we look at scripture. We're going to be in Acts chapter 8 again today. We're going to read verses 5 through 8 in just a moment. And I think sometimes that we look at scripture and we really feel like all this stuff just happened. 
And so we really feel like if God wants to do it again, it's just going to happen. And I can tell you this, that, that that's probably the only time in my life where I've had the opportunity and, and the great privilege of being a part of somebody coming to Christ that there was no obstacle to overcome. That there was nothing that, that we had to, had to, had to come, get over in order for them to come to Christ. Where it was just one of those things where they're like, hey man, let's do this. And the reality of it is, even in Scripture, when we really look and we really think about what the Scripture is saying and what the Scripture is teaching, we come to a place where we realize there were great obstacles that were overcome to share our faith. But there was something in the disciples, there was something in this guy named Philip's life that we're about to read about today that, that, that pushed him beyond every obstacle, every challenge that came his way. And there's something that will compel us to move beyond everything that stands in our way to, to, to get us to that place of sharing our faith in Christ, of getting us to the place where, where no matter what, we're going to tell people the gospel of Christ. We're going to live it and we're going to share it. Listen to this in Acts 8, 5 through 8. It says, Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed. So there was great joy in that city. I don't know, how many people in here are, are real art people? Like you love art. Anybody that's like just real art person? Man, I was going to be honest with you. I never have been. I never have been. And, and the other day I was thinking about um, how abstract sometimes like the whole glory of God can be and just how hard it is to wrap our mind around that. And so I was like, I want to look up some abstract art. And I was like, I just want to kind of see what it looks, you know, I've never been one that would just stand there and stare at like a dot on a white page and be like, wow. You know, I I just, you know, that's not, that's never been me. And so I was like, I actually went to it thinking, maybe I'll get a laugh out of this. And so I Google abstract art, all this art pops up and I began to go and look at it and, and, and it was abstract. And, and, and I'm looking at this art, but the funny thing was, as I began to look at the art, It was so strange to me. It was like, I'm feeling what the artist was feeling. I'm looking at it and it's like, you know, an unknown planet. And I'm like, oh, I get it. Or it was like fire and and, and water. And and I'm like, wow. And for the first time, I'm like, I'm I'm feeling this abstract art thing. And it was so strange because I went to it to kind of get a laugh. And then I'm like, whoa, man. I'm like, God, what is going on with me? What is wrong with me? I've never liked art. I've never liked anything like that. And it seems so abstract. It was such a weird thing to me because I've never liked that kind of stuff. I've always been the one that's like, I don't know, man. Just, I, don't, I don't understand it. You know? But I'm looking at it and this, it was just strange the way I, I liked it and, and I loved it. And I started thinking about this guy, Philip. And, and in the moment that he goes to Samaria, I think he had to be wondering in himself, like, what am I doing? I'm standing here in Samaria and I'm preaching to Samarians and I'm sharing the gospel and the love of Christ with Samaritans. What's wrong with me? And I think he's looking at them because see, here's the deal. Samaritans and Jews hated each other. I mean, hated each other. They couldn't stand each other. Not not even to be around each other. That's why in John chapter four, when Jesus talks to the Samaritan woman at the well, everybody's flipping out. Not only was she a woman, but she was a Samaritan. And everybody's like, Jesus, you don't talk to women and you don't talk to Samaritans. My goodness, what is wrong with you? But, but 
Philip's there and he's, he's proclaiming the good news and he's, he's doing good things to the Samaritans. And so I know there had to be a moment when he's like, I can't even believe what I'm doing. I can't even believe what's going on with me. I, 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 I'm just doing this and, and I don't even, I've never even liked these people. I didn't never even allow myself to be in the same room with these people. And now I'm sharing the love of Christ. And, and see, there was something that compelled him beyond. There was something that pushed him beyond. There was something that was so big in him and, and welled up so strongly in him. And it set his heart on fire so much and had affected him so profoundly that he had to tell him. He had to tell him. He had to move beyond every obstacle. He was compelled to go. He was compelled to preach. And he was compelled to keep moving on. And listen, he did it at the risk of his own life. Preaching the gospel to people that he had never even liked before at the risk of his own life. I would say something incredibly profound had to have happened to Philip. I mean, something absolutely amazing in Acts 8, 5 through 8 had to happen to Philip. And he began to proclaim the gospel. And I want to tell you that Jesus had touched and changed his heart so much that he couldn't help but tell him. You know what, the, the thing that happened this week with, with the guy in the salvation, man, what was so awesome to me about that is, is I, Jesus still changes hearts. Jesus still moves in incredible ways, guys. Listen to me. You may be sitting here today and you're thinking like, not me. I would say you are a prime candidate. I, I would say this. If you're sitting here and you're thinking, my past is so bad. There's no way I can come to Christ. I'd say you're a great candidate to be used for the glory of God. And here's the good news, people, that God sent Philip to a people he didn't even like. He affected his life so profoundly that he could not help but talk about Jesus. He couldn't help but talk about the love of Christ. He had been affected so profoundly that he had to go and tell people about who Jesus was. I don't know if you've ever been compelled by something or not. There are times when, when I'm just compelled, like the other night, I was doing good working on this whole eating right thing, and then Susan plops down beside me, and she goes, you know what, we went by Dairy Queen, and there are too many blizzards in the freezer. It was like, I was, it was like somebody said, set hut, and I was gone. I was like off the couch. It's like Dake was in the way. I, I did a swim technique around Dake, you know, and then I kind of spun around Jackson and I got to the freezer, got the, got the Oreo blizzard, man, tore it up. It was awesome. But I was compelled, man. There was, I was, nothing was getting in between me and, and, and that Oreo blizzard. I'm, I'm sorry, but those things are like a little taste of heaven. And so I went and, and I ate it and, and man, you know, and I felt guilty afterwards and, you know, and, and, and so, but, but it was good. And I was compelled, and I don't know if you've ever been compelled, but, but, but I believe that God wants to so set our heart on fire for him that we are compelled to move past every challenge, that we're compelled to move past every obstacle, and that nothing would stand in the way of us proclaiming the gospel, that we would truly be set on fire, set alive. We would be standing on a foundation that's so sure in Christ that we, we have no, no worries, that we have no fear of sharing the gospel, that it may cost us our life, it may cost us our dignity, it may cost us everything, but it's worth telling other people about the one thing that will change their life and not only change their life here, but shape their entire eternity. But listen, Jesus knew this. Jesus knew that there are going to be obstacles. He knew this. I want to read some scripture to you real quick. It's out of Luke chapter 14, beginning in verse 15. And this is what it says. It says, when one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, so they're eating it, and Jesus, 
This guy says to Jesus, blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. And you know, this is this guy right now, like, right? He, he is there and he's trying to say something really spiritual. He's like, blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus is like, dude, like, seriously, do we really have to talk like that? You know, and, and so, so then, you know, Jesus is so awesome. He's like, then Jesus replied. And, and so Jesus doesn't even come out and just be like, you're an idiot. He just shows him, Right. He just tells a story and, and it just put, puts the guy in his place. So Jesus replies, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servants to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go see it. Please excuse me. Verse 19 says, and another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. That's like the only one that's legit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, you know that dude was like, honey, I'm going to go hang out with Jesus. And she's like, you are not going to drink beer and watch Monday Night Football. You sit your butt right down. You know what I'm saying? So that's the only one that was legit. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there's still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and make them come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those men who were invited will taste of my banquet. Here's the awesome thing about this. Jesus knew that there were going to be obstacles, that there were going to be challenges, that there were going to be things that attacked our selfish, sinful nature to keep us from coming in and going out in the kingdom of God, to keep us from doing what the kingdom of God calls us to do, to keep us from doing what God has created us to do. Jesus knew very well that there were going to be obstacles and there were going to be challenges. But Jesus says this, listen, I want you to go out and find some people. I want you to go out and declare to the people that nobody else would have thought we invited. I want you to go out and declare to them, don't let any obstacle stand in the way. I want you to go and I want you to be so compelled to go to these people that nothing stands in your way. And I want you to bring them in because I'm looking for people who don't just want to come into the kingdom, that don't just want to sit and eat at the banquet, but they want to take it out to the world and feed those who are starving. I want people who can go out into the world and give them spiritual food. I want people to go out into the world and give them physical food. I want people who go out into the world and give a thirsty world the, the living water of Christ. And he says, go out and find them. And I believe this this morning, that Jesus today is proclaiming through his word. And he's, he's wanting a people to step up who says, listen, I'm done with excuses. Because don't we all have them? Anybody in here that's not good at making excuses. And from the time we're born to the time we die, man, we can come up with some incredible excuses. And especially in the realm of our faith, we come up with reasons not to share our faith. We come up with excuses and all these obstacles begin to get in our way. How about this? Anybody ever use this excuse? Well, I would have shared my faith with them. I would have told them about what Jesus did in my life, but it's just awkward. Isn't it awkward? Yeah, it's weird. And you know what? I've been doing this for a long time. I stand up and preach Sunday after Sunday. But you know what? When I'm one-on-one with somebody, it's still awkward. 
my heart still beats like 100 miles an hour whenever I'm about to take that step of faith and go, can I tell you what really turned my life around? It's just awkward. It's just strange. But I believe God is calling people who would be compelled to move beyond the awkwardness. How awkward do you think it was when Jesus was hanging on the cross in a loincloth? Awkward. But he did that for us. And I'm not going to let the awkwardness stand between me and somebody else hearing the word, hearing the, the good news of Christ that could change their life. We need to push beyond the awkwardness. We need to begin to continue to move on. How about this one? How many of you are busy? Anybody busy? Gosh, that is a great excuse, isn't it? For not investing in people. For not doing anything other than what we have to do to get our day done. Come on, and if you got kids and, and you get home and by like nine o'clock, you're like, holy cow. And then you're like, I gotta go to bed, get up and do it again in the morning. If you're in school, it's like it never ends. It just keeps on going. You know, and you never get ready. You're just busy. But here's the thing. We make excuses about like why we can't share the gospel. We do all this because we're busy. We're all busy. People say, well, I can't serve. I can't do anything because I'm busy. Listen, you're served by busy people every week. You're served by very busy. When you walk in the, when you drive in the parking lot, you know who's welcoming you and who's showing you where to park? Busy people. When you walk in the doors, you know who's greeting you and shaking your hand? Busy people. The people who are handing you things at the door, busy people. The people who are up here at six o'clock in the morning setting up for worship and, 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 and leading worship, busy people. People who are working in kids, busy people. But listen, it is more important to them to share the gospel, to, to possibly impact somebody's life as they're coming through the door, as they're parking their car, as they drop their children off, than, it, than, than, than to, to use their busyness as something to hide behind. And it doesn't just happen in, in church. It doesn't just happen in the walls. It happens outside the walls. Like this, this coming week, listen, we're doing the October 1st thing, right? It's going to be incredible. We're going out. We're going to do everything from wheelchair ramps to decks to, to, to roofs to, to, to playing with kids who, who are, are underprivileged, who, who don't, don't have moms and dads and things like that. We're going to go out and we're going to really be ministering to people. And we're going to meet here at 9 o'clock. And whether you signed up or not, doesn't matter. Just be here at 9 o'clock. we got plenty to do. But, man, we hear excuses like why we can't do it. Like, why, why is it? You know, and, and so what we end up hearing, what we end up um, um, hearing is, is things like, man, you know, my kid's got a ball game. My kid's got a game. I'm not going to be able to make it. I'm like, really? Man, my kid's got, I got two games Saturday. I do. My, my, my boys both play football games. But you know what? I've come to the, to the conclusion. I and mean, listen, and I don't want you to think it's not like I've been torn. I'm thinking like maybe somebody can take them to the game while I go do this. And I'm, I mean, I, I do, I feel that pull. But this is the thing I realize. What is going to impact their life more? Playing in one more athletic event or having the opportunity to go out and change somebody's life? What's going to impact them more? There's going to be plenty of football games. My goodness, they're five and eight. Nobody's going to live or die because they don't make it to the football game. They plays quarterback. Guess what? They'll be all right. 
It's the same thing with us, but we come up with excuses. These are little obstacles getting our way. And I believe that what we've got to do is get to a place where we are so set on fire and sold out for Christ that nothing stands in our way. We begin to move beyond it. We begin to press forward. We begin to say, listen, I'm not going to, to, to do anything that would hinder the gospel from being proclaimed through me. I, I, and, and Jesus goes on and he says, listen, go out and tell these folks. Go out and tell them. Tell them to come in. Tell those who, 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 who normally would, you wouldn't think would be wanted, tell them to come in. Because they're going to get a taste of this spiritual banquet. And I know these people, they're going to go out. They're not just going to come in, but they're going to go out. And Scripture is very clear that we don't just come into the kingdom. We also go out and we go to people who aren't like us, who are different, who need to hear the gospel of Christ. How about this, um, this, this obstacle? Listen, how about this one? Anybody ever use it? I would, but... I just don't think I can do that. You ever heard that? Like, you ever use that? Like, I'm just not good enough. God couldn't use me to do that. You ever heard that? Listen, here's the deal with Philip. Philip is preaching to a people who were so different from him, who were so not like him. And, And here's what Philip had done in the kingdom of God up until this time. He waited tables. He waited tables. Go read Acts 6. One through six, and you'll find out all Philip had done for the kingdom of God is wait tables. He was literally a table waiter. They were having a problem getting all the food to some of the widows. And so Philip was one of the ones they picked to go and make sure that the widows got their food. How easy would it have been for Philip to come to a place where he just goes, I can't tell these people about Jesus. I'm a table waiter. How easy would it have been for him to get to a place where he's like, I don't, I, I can't do it, man. I can't, I can't bring somebody to Christ. I can't, I can't stand up for my faith. I can't do it. All I've done is wait tables. I need to call Peter or John. Now they could tell people about Jesus. But Philip knew, like he had seen, he had heard, he had been prepared. And Philip knew that he had a limitless God who could overcome his limitations. And I want you to hear that today, guys. Listen to me. You, you do have limitations. But the Bible is very clear that when you're weak, he is strong. That if you'll step into his unlimited power, he can use you to do incredible things. Don't ever let Satan lie to you and tell you that you can't be used to change the world. God wants to use you and he wants to use you to draw people to himself. He wants his grace to flow from you just like it did with Philip. Can you imagine Philip getting there? What what was his first sermon like? What would that have been like? How nervous would he have been? Probably as nervous as you the first time you step up and you begin to tell other people about who Jesus is and what he's done in your life. And you don't have to rattle off something about the Trinity. All you got to do is tell them what Jesus did in you. All you got to do is tell him your story of how Jesus impacted your life. That's what he's calling us to do. All Peter, all Philip had done is wait tables, but God used him in an incredible way to begin to change and impact the lives of many, 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 many people. Another obstacle we run into, we run into all of these biases, don't we? We run into biases like, like we, and the church is the worst, man. 
We, we run into people who aren't like us and they look different from us or they, they, they smell different from us or, and their skin's a different color from us. And so we run into these cultural things that divide us, that become an obstacle so we don't begin to share with them. We don't go to them. And, and listen, those things become such an obstacle for us to overcome, but we need to be compelled to move beyond. We need to be compelled to go. We need to be compelled to step across the line. And, and we need to be compelled to step, step across the race line. Philip did this. Why? Because his heart was set on fire for Christ. Jews saw Samaritans as a mongrel race. They saw them as, as spiritual heretics. And yet Philip is proclaiming the gospel to them. This divide, it was, it was so much worse than, than probably anything we've ever seen before. Even the, the black and, and white stupidity that our nation has been through for, for hundreds or a couple of hundred years now. Even that stupidity. And here's the thing that I would say. If you're still stuck in a place where the value you place on somebody's life is dependent upon the color of their skin... You're ignorant and a bigot. And this is the thing I would say. This is the thing I would say. Listen to me. Get out of the 1950s. It's 2011. We cannot say we love people. We cannot say Jesus lives inside of us. And refuse to offer everyone the keys to eternity, which is Christ, which is Christ. And we need to begin to move beyond these obstacles. We need to begin to move beyond the things that would separate us and realize that Jesus is the thing that unites us. He's bigger than any socioeconomic lines. He's bigger than racial lines. He's bigger than anything else that could ever come between us and other people. Listen, he tore down every wall that could ever stand between us and carrying the gospel to the world. How about this? This, this is a big one. You know, we talk about this quite a bit because it's such a prevalent thing. But one of the obstacles that we, we run into a lot is, is selfishness, isn't it? Anybody, anybody just not share because I mean, we're just selfish. And a lot of times we just look at it and we're just like, hey, you know, man, I got it. And that's kind of what's important. I know I'm good. And so it's easy for us sometimes to bump up into this, this obstacle of selfishness, this obstacle of, of man, I, I, I got it and I'm good. And unless we get ambushed by it, by the, like I did this week, it's never really a thought on our mind. It's never really a thought on our mind. And yet Philip comes to these people and he's like, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get the gospel to them. I'm going to do whatever it takes. Because keep in mind, not only did Jews hate Samaritans, but Samaritans hated Jews. Samaritans were tired of being looked down on by Jewish people who thought they all had it together. And so how in the world did, 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 did Philip even get their ear? How in the world would Philip even be able to, to get to a place where they would understand and listen? Because they didn't care what he said. They've been telling them for years that your religion is no good. These Jews were telling Samaritans, you, you don't even worship the true God. And now they're going to give an ear to Philip. And I believe that one of the biggest reasons they gave him their attention is he didn't just go in and like do this kind of terrorist evangelism. 
where you go in and just throw a bunch of tracks at somebody or something. A track, if you aren't churched, is like this, this material placed in a uh, little, little piece of paper, and it tells you the gospel. It's the, the thing that people hand you when they knock on the door and they hand it to you and ask you if you know that 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 you're going to heaven. That's the track. Terrorist evangelism. It's like we just run in, blow it up, and then run out. And, and, and listen, guys, that don't work. In the 1950s, Billy Graham could stand up and, and he could give this altar call. And man, all these people would come. You know why? Because in the 1950s, people were about an eight on a scale of one to ten, meaning that ten would be people who were fully committed to following Christ and the ones were people who had probably never heard of Jesus. Most people in the United States were sevens or eights. You know where they are today? Even, even in the Bible Belt. Maybe threes or fours. Maybe threes or fours. Throwing something out at one time doesn't work. Listen, let me ask you this. Do we really give a crap about the people that we're sharing the gospel with? Or is it just something we're doing just to try to fulfill a religious duty? When I was little, I would take my knife and, and we were always big into hunting, still are. My boys, they love to go hunting. And so we, we, we would go hunting. And, and when I would shoot a deer and I would kill it, I would take a notch and I would notch the bottom, like the, the, the butt of my gun, and I would notch it. And so I could keep up with how many deer I killed. I was like Davy Crockett or something. It was awesome. And so I would notch my gun, and I would keep up. And then after a while, I was like, I just quit doing it. But I feel like sometimes for us as Christians, when we share our faith or we do um, what we call evangelism and we go out and we, we, we share our faith with people, it, it's really just trying to put another notch on the butt of our gun. It's like really trying to put another notch in our, in our belt and say, look what I did. But the thing is, people, they're not going to care about what we say until we're compelled to move beyond the obstacles that are in front of us, until our hearts are truly set on fire and we're compelled to go and we're compelled to move. Philip goes into Samaria and listen to verses 6 and 7. I want to read them to you one more time. Verses 6 and 7 say this. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they paid close attention to what he said. Why did they pay close attention? It says, with shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and crippled were healed. So there was great joy in the city. One of the reason that people paid attention to him is they knew he actually cared about them. And here's the thing we've got to do. We've got to care about people enough to build relationships with them. And listen, girls, listen, 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 guys, girls. Dating is not a form of relational evangelism. All right? You're like, if I date him, I, I, can say, I know I can save him. I, I'll change his life. No, you won't. You will not. Are you God? No. Only God changes hearts, not you. Dating is not a form of relational evangelism. But we got to care about people enough to, 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 to pour into their lives. We got to care about people enough to really begin to invest. What did Philip do? Man, he was going in and he was setting people who were spiritually held captive free. You know, that's what the gospel does. It sets people free. He was going in and people were being healed of diseases and sicknesses. You know what that translates to? He was taking care of physical needs. God used him to meet physical needs. And God, listen, God still heals. God still does all those things. But you know what? God also prompts us to give somebody who's thirsty a cold drink of water. God also prompts us to, to come out on a Saturday and go out and show people that, that, that Jesus is real and he is alive because we're going we're to meet this need for you. We're going to take care of this. And you know why we're doing it? Not for us. Don't thank us. Thank him. 
Because the reason we're doing it is that he changed our hearts and we'll do anything we can to show other people his love and his grace and his mercy. And so that's why we're here. So Philip began to minister to them physically. He began to minister to them spiritually. And the Bible says that they gave him their attention. If we really want to see this city filled with joy, if we really want to see people's lives being transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, our hearts have to be set on fire, that it compels us to move beyond our selfishness, that we too would begin to let people in on the fact that, that spiritually they can be set free through Christ and that physically God cares about them. And when we begin to care more about them than we do ourselves, so much so that we would be willing to lose our dignity, lose, lose our reputation with people and, and, and step forward and say, I'll be the hands and feet of Christ. I'll be the mouthpiece of God. I will tell people about the love of Jesus. And we finally come to that place where our hearts are set on fire to the point where we are compelled to move beyond anything that would stand in our way. Then we'll see God move. That's what God's calling us to. He's not calling us to just sit and soak in our salvation. That's nice and that's comfortable, but that's not what God's calling us to. He's calling us to push forward. He's, he, he, he has placed Jesus' love within us to compel us to move forward so that we can be the hands and feet of Christ. Not so that we can sit here and hear another message or we can sit here and, and let's sing one more song but so that we can go out and tell people about the love of Jesus and who he is. I'm going to read a scripture because this is what I was going through. I was, I was, I was pondering this in my, my head this week. I'm like, this guy, he pushed past everything. He pushed past his selfishness. He pushed past his, his biases. He, he pushed past everything that stood in his way. His busyness, the awkwardness, everything to proclaim the gospel. What was it that that compelled him to do that? What was it that compelled him to move beyond the the threat of even losing his own life? We struggle with the threat of losing our dignity or what people are going to think. He could have been killed. And yet we struggle with these things. Listen, I, I believe this is the answer. Listen to 2 Corinthians 5 verse 14. We'll read through verse 21. It says, for Christ's love compels us Because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we no longer do so. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as, those God, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Verse 14, for Christ's love compels us. That's it. And we want to make it about so many things that it's not. It is about Christ's love compelling us. 
I want to ask you, what compels you? What compels me? Am I compelled to to try to reach some certain standard financially? Am I compelled to achieve some educational um, degree? Am I compelled to make sure all of my friends like me, even though I'm being willing to sell myself out so that they like me? What compels me? Because I can tell you the greatest thing that, that, that can compel us, the greatest thing that can move in our lives is the love of Christ. It's the love of Jesus. And, and here Paul's writing to the Corinthians. This is Paul writing. He's saying, listen guys, we're compelled by the love of Christ. And I believe that's what compelled Philip. He had encountered the love of Jesus. He was able to go to Samaritans. He was able to push past all the excuses. He was able to be compelled beyond any obstacle that stood in his way. Why? Because he knew what it was to be separated from God. But now he knew what it is to be reconciled to God through Christ. He's like, I got to tell people. I got to let them know. I I, I can't hold this in. This is something I've got to say. I've got to get it out. People have to know about this. He realized, listen, he went to Samaritans because he realized how evil he was in and of himself. He realized I'm a sinner. If God can save me, he can save anybody. No wonder he was preaching to Samaritans. He had gotten a glimpse of the holiness of God. And compared to himself, he realized, man, I'm nothing. And yet God had reconciled him back to himself through Christ. And the Bible says he's called us to that same message of reconciliation. To be reconciled, it's got a a few different meanings. It's actually a K word in Greek. And uh, it's like something like that. And, uh, and, and it starts with a K. And, and in, in Greek, it, it literally means to, to make a relationship right. And it also means from a financial standpoint, an, an exchanging of money, basically to even up a debt. And what he's telling us in this is, listen, I have reconciled your account. This is God's word to us. I have reconciled your account. Because of sin, your account, was it was, it was done for. There was no way that you were ever going to be able to deposit enough good things, enough work, enough effort to, 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 to get to where you're even with me. There's no way. He said, but I sent my son and I sent Jesus so that you could have your account reconciled with me. Now you've been forgiven. And now we can have fellowship with one another. That's pretty amazing. When you think about where you've been, you think about what you've done, you think about all the things that should separate us from God. Because remember, Adam and Eve were separated by one sin. I'm pretty sure we all did that this morning. And yet we come to this and we realize that God Almighty has reconciled us to himself, that we could have fellowship with him. That is absolutely incredible. And when that love comes into our life and it sets our heart on fire and we get a glimpse of who God is and we realize I can actually know him. I can actually come to him. I can actually talk to him. I can ask him. I can seek him. I can find him. And and we begin to realize this and our heart is set on fire, not because of all the things we can do. Listen, all of this stuff we're doing, the October 1st stuff, the stuff you do in your own life, the coming to church, that doesn't happen. It shouldn't happen just because you're fulfilling an obligation. It ought to happen because of the great deposit of love that was made into your account and so we come to a place where we realize we have been reconciled to God we come to this place 
where, where we come and, and, and we, man, out of gratitude and out of the grace of Jesus, we begin to share our faith. And it compels us to move beyond any obstacle or anything that could stand in our way. See, this is what I, man, God, God is so desiring. He wants to raise up this church that will go and be compelled to share the good news. That would go and be compelled to tell other people about the love of Christ. He, 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 he's desiring a church to raise up and, and, and his church, his body. To go out and, and not just tell people, but to show them. Y'all remember in school when you were maybe in kindergarten, pre-K, whatever it was, and, and you had show and tell? Y'all remember that? That was my favorite day. I love show and tell. And everybody's like sitting around in the circle. And like somebody brought their bunny. You know what I'm saying? Somebody brought some airheads. Somebody brought their hamster. Somebody brought their teddy bear. And everybody's sitting around. I'm over there with my 20 gauge. I mean, you know, it's just, it's just, you know, it, everybody brought something. And we were so excited and so proud to say, look at what I got. Look. And we would show them and we would tell them. And, and, and I believe it's the same way for us. God's given us something to show and to tell. And this is the thing I want to encourage you with, guys. Beyond all the obstacles and all the things that could get in our way, the one thing I would tell you is that if you are in Christ, you have something to show and something to tell. I'll be excited about that. All right, so I'm in the seventh grade, and, um, you know, there's this girl that sits next to me. And, um, you know, she um, she's one of my friends, and... I hadn't really gotten to know her that well, but I knew that she wasn't feeling as well as she was as she usually would, just knowing her from sitting next to me. And so, you know, I asked her what's up, and um, she said, uh, my parents are divorcing. And from my relationship before, I knew that, you know, she has uh, five sisters and three brothers, which makes a family of nine. And just now her family is divorcing. And so, you know, I just got, I got thinking and, you know, I studied the Bible a little bit more and I realized, you know, God can help with my relationships. Why couldn't it help with hers? And so, you know, I, I came up to her and I said, you know, God loves you and God always has a plan for us and just his love can change everything. And so I, I wrote her a note. I said the answer to your problem is Psalms 33:4, which is technically, uh, for the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. And the next day she said, you know, I will always have a new perspective of God's love because you, you just showed it to me. And I was beyond happy with that because, you know, I, I wasn't happy with myself. I was happy that God was able to spread his word through me and that God actually used me and that some things happen for a reason and there's always a path that you're supposed to be taking and if that path is changed then that's not the actual path that you're supposed to be taking and so um as for me you know god has always been there for me um i've learned to love god and just you know i i feel that god is as important as a friend as family as anything and 
there's a path just like a, a railroad track. The train is always going somewhere and it will always reach its destination and that's like the fulfillment of God's love. You know, it's it's the end of your track and, you know, there might be so many stops along the way but the destination will never change. The stops will never change your destination and I'm looking forward to reaching my destination and I think that girl is looking forward to looking, uh, looking forward to her destination too. That's, uh, that's Colin. He is uh, 12 years old in the 7th grade. Right, Colin? Yes, sir. This kid's awesome. Yeah. I mean, like, like just some of the stuff that, that, that you hear about him. And it, but here's the point. Here's the point of it. If a 12-year-old in the 7th grade is able to step up and share his faith with somebody who's hurting. So able to share the love of Christ. Able to share a word of encouragement. Able to push past the obstacles. I mean, middle school. Really? Middle school. You know how awkward of a time that is. You remember? It was, it was like, it's like when, when they go from 5th to 6th grade. And before they come out of the 8th grade, it's like they go from humans to aliens. It's just a, it's a strange time. I know from youth ministry, it is a strange, it's a difficult, challenging time. And yet he's willing to step up and share his heart, to share what God's done in his life, to offer encouragement to somebody else. And, and, and you know, it, it was just done very practically. He met her at a point of need, much like what Philip did with the Samaritans. He met her at a point of need and he shared his heart and what Jesus had done in his heart. And that's what God's calling us to do. Here's a question here. Listen, what's holding you back? What's keeping you from going forward? What obstacles are in your way? Because I want to tell you today that you serve a God who moves mountains. And there's no obstacle that can stand in the way of you when when you're moving in the power of the Holy Spirit and you're willing to step out and you're willing to to recognize the obstacle. You're willing to recognize the awkwardness. You're willing to recognize the the busyness. You're willing to move beyond those those biases and those, those cultural things that maybe before had been a barrier to you. You're willing to take a step of faith and 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 just begin to pour into people, meeting their physical and spiritual needs, moving beyond our own selfishness. And we get this place where where we come to a point and we realize like oh my gosh God can use me and my prayer is that God would set your heart on fire so much for him that that you would be compelled by the love of Christ to go into this community to go into your families to go into your workplace even with the people and especially to the people who don't you don't like and he probably don't like you And you show them the love and the mercy of Jesus. You show them the love and the grace of God. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what this this town, this this town of Statesboro, the metropolis of which we live in, that is Statesboro, Georgia. Can you imagine what it would look like if we all did that? If our hearts were so set on fire that we were compelled to move beyond anything that stood in our way and we went out and began to proclaim, and and, and not just to proclaim, but to show people the love of Christ. 
if, if we went out and, and we didn't waste another moment, but in everything, what if today when you go and eat lunch and your waitress comes, what if, what if today instead of, instead of not tipping because she didn't bring your tea or something, what if you blessed her and invited her to church? I'm just saying. I mean, what if? What if you did? What if, what if you went out of your way this week to do something kind for somebody who has done you wrong because of the love of God and because Christ's love compels you? What if? I believe there'd be a lot more instances where people look at us and go, I want to be saved. I believe there'd be a, a lot more young, young ladies who come to a place of having their life altered because somebody was willing to share the encouragement of Christ and the hope that is in the gospel. I believe it would change everything. And I believe verse 8 in Acts chapter 8 sums it up the best. So there was great joy in that city. That's what I want to see. I want to see this, this place turned upside down so much so that there's great joy in Statesboro. And not because Georgia Southern won, which is awesome. But because the love of Christ has, has, has torn down walls, has set people free, has moved in people's hearts so that they have been reconciled to God. When we first started the church, there were about, I guess there were about 60 or 80 people who were coming to the church at this time. And uh, after one of the messages, I don't even remember what the message was, what it was about, kind of like y'all on Monday. Um, and that, was, that was a joke. Um, but, but I don't remember what I, what I said that day, but I remember getting off the stage, and, and which was little B stage back then, and, and, and walking out to where we used to have, have the coffee and different things set up. And, and I walked out there, and this older man came up to me. And when he comes up to me, he's coming to me like this. I'm like... I don't know if I need to hug him or run. I, I'm really not sure what's about to happen. And so he comes up to me and he just gives me this big bear hug. This guy, he's actually turned, he was like 72 years old. He comes up and gives me this big hug and I'm hugging and I'm kind of like, kind of patting and you know, I didn't know, I was like, I don't know how to get out of this. And so I just like, I hug him. And, and so he, he backs up and he grabs me by the arms and he looks at me. And the first words out of his mouth were not, how are you? How you doing? I'm so-and-so. The first thing he looks at me and he says is, I'm gay. I'm gay. That's not usually the introduction you get when people, you know, introduce themselves. And he said, I'm gay. And, I, and the first thing that came to my mouth, mouth, the first thing that came out, I said, well, God loves you. And then he goes, I know. I know. God doesn't make trash. He said, but I've been suicidal for about the last month and a half to two months. And he said, I walked in here today not knowing if I wanted to live or if I wanted to die. And he said, I've been in all kinds of places and, and, and I've been hurt by all kinds of churches. He said, but today I found hope for the first time in a long time. You know, this guy, he comes, and, and the awesome thing about it is this guy, he comes, and he gets in a connect group. He, uh, he starts hanging out with some other people. And I'm just going to be honest with you, this guy, he was kind of a crass old man. Like, you could tell there was a really tough exterior shell that had been built up and put around his heart. And, and he, was, he, was, he was tough, man, and he would let you have it. 
You said something you didn't like. You never had to guess where you stood with this guy. But we started seeing God move and God doing some incredible things in his life. And we started seeing his heart beginning to soften. And, and, and we started seeing God opening his eyes to the reality of who he was. And listen, he, he had been married and he had been living um, in, in one life and, and he had separated from his wife. And, and he hadn't been with his wife for like three years. And after a while of being in the connect group and after a while of being in the word and, and, and after a while of, of just beginning to figure out who Christ is and having the love of Christ set his heart on fire, his entire life began to change. He came into my office one day and he walks in the door and, and he sits down and, and, and I always knew when he would come in, it was going to be like five minutes and he's gone because he's just going to tell me what he wants to tell me and leave. And so I always got a little bit nervous because I never knew if it was going to be good or bad. And he comes in and he plops down in the chair and he sits across from me and he looks at me and he goes, Brandon, I do not know what's going on. It's like, all right, man, what's, what's wrong? He goes, well, today... I found myself in the Christian bookstore buying my wife a Bible. I was like, cool, man. It's good. He goes, and then I get up to the counter and, and he pulls out this necklace and it was a cross on the necklace. He goes, and I get up to the counter and, and, and they've got these necklaces and, and I bought a cross necklace and I'm wearing it. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to make a connection here. And then he goes, and then I'm getting my hair cut. And I'm telling the lady cutting my hair about Christ. And he looks at me with these big eyes and he goes, Brandon, what is wrong with me? I said, man, it sounds like God's doing an incredible work in your heart to me. He ends up not only being reconciled to God, but being reconciled to his wife. He moved out of state and moved back in with his wife. It wasn't because he took five steps to a better life or, or 10 steps, steps to get your life in order. He took one step and that was coming to a real relationship in Christ and having your heart set on fire. So much so that even he began to share his faith in Christ. And we had the privilege of watching this man's life be transformed. Watching this man's family be transformed. His, his daughter ended up coming to Christ. It was an incredible story. I mean, it was amazing to watch and to see. But I think the last thing he said in that conversation was probably, probably it was the saddest thing I've heard. I told him, I said, I, I don't think there's anything wrong. I think everything's kind of being made right. I, I really believe that, that God's doing a work in your heart and he's, he's changing your heart and he's changing your life and the glory of God is being shown through you. And, and it's amazing. You're sharing your faith with other people. He goes, I know. He said, why did I wait so long? Why did I wait so long? And that was the end of the conversation. And here's my question. Why would we wait any longer? 
Why would we not today, at this moment, step into the relationship that Christ is calling us to? Why would we not today, why would we waste another day not not moving beyond the obstacles that stand in our way? Why would we not be compelled to move beyond and, and go and do the things that Christ has called us to do? Why not allow God to set our hearts on fire? Why not invest in our relationship with Jesus? Through the word, through prayer, through fellowship with other believers. Whatever it takes so that God can set our heart on fire. And he set it on fire so that we wouldn't just be content to gather. This is great, man. This is awesome. I love doing this every Saturday. But if this is the end and not the means to the end of being in the community and sharing our faith, we're wasting our time. And God is calling us to be a church that's not content with just sitting within four walls, having a good worship team, listening to a message. He's calling us to be a church that goes out and gata and gets after them aggressively. That's what he's calling us to, guys. And this is what I want you to hear from me. Hear my heart today. You can do this. It is within you. If you are in Christ, it is within you to do this. Don't let any obstacles stand in your way. Don't let anything, don't let any other voice speak to your head and make you think that you can't be used by God. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you've done or who you've done it with. When you come to Christ, the Bible says that you're a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that he was in Christ, a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Listen to that. It says it's gone. The old is gone. You're a new person. And we love that verse and we love it. What we don't realize is it's set in, a, in a, an evangelistic context. Basically what God's saying in those scriptures is, Gata, get after them. You've been reconciled to me. You're a new creation. Go out there and, there and shine my glory. Shine for the world to see who I am, my love and my grace and my mercy. Don't wait Don't be 72, 75, 80 years old and have the same remorse. Why did I wait so long? Take advantage right now. Jesus offers it right now. He's calling us right now. This is the time. We're his people. It's time to step up and us be what God's called us to be. Pushing through every obstacle, everything that could stand in our way, every bit of awkwardness, every bit of busyness, everything, every bias, everything that could possibly hinder us from sharing the gospel, that we step up and we become the hands and the feet. We become the mouthpiece of Christ that we show people and we tell people about his love. That's what God's called us to. And this is the thing I know, guys. I know that there are other people in here who are tired of just going through church and going through the routine and just doing it week after week. And this is the thing. God's tired of that too. He wants us to step up and he wants us to step out. But I realize this. And listen, we're going to push on this in this series. I realize that there is a real reality in the church that many times we are prompted, but we don't respond. And here's the thing I would say, if we are not willing to respond to the prompting of God inside these four walls, we'll never respond to the prompting of God outside these walls. Never. And so I just want to push on the fact that for some of us in here this morning, God is prompting us. And for some of us, God has already prompted us to step up and step out and share his grace and mercy, his love, his glory with the world. 
And so this is what I'm going to ask you to do right, right here, right now today. Listen, listen. And you may have responded last week. You respond as if God is prompting your heart. We're not just going to become content to sit in seats. I want to see you step up. I want to see you respond to God's prompting. And right now, if God has prompted you and you know, I want to go, I want to go and tell people, I want to go and show people, I want to be the body of Christ, the literal, tangible body of Christ, showing people who Jesus is. This is what I want you to do right now. I just want you to stand up right where you just stand up right now. Stand up and and we're going to just see. I want you to see the body of Christ that says, I want to go. I want to be, be used in this world to go out. And to proclaim the gospel. I want, I, I want to be used by Jesus. I want his love to be shown through me. I've, I've tasted his love. I know what it is. And I'm done letting excuses. And I'm done letting obstacles stand between me and God. I'm going to go forward. I'm going to share the love. And look, I mean, just about everybody in the entire place has stood up. Listen, God's word says that not even the gates of hell can stand and, and come against the church. Nothing can stop his church. When you leave here, I pray that you leave with a holy fire in your belly at the most inner parts of your being that you walk out of here today. And there's something inside of you that compels you so much to share the gospel that it doesn't matter about your dignity. It doesn't matter about what other people think. It doesn't matter how busy you are. It doesn't matter how other people treat you. It's about what Christ did for you. It's about the love that resides in your heart. It's about who Jesus is and what Jesus wants to do in and through your life to bring him glory. And God is going to use us to do that. God is going to use us to do that. Now take your step, take a step of faith and let him use you. Let him use you in an incredible and awesome way.